0: Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, Carl and Nick discuss the Jared Veldier trade and how it affects the Broncos going forward in free agency and the draft, as well as consider some of the top defensive players, fits, and options day two of the upcoming NFL Draft. This is the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos.
1: Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall.
0: Mr. Nick, how are you doing today, buddy? I am doing pretty well. This past weekend, we got a huge dump of snow, and it looks like it's going to snow again this upcoming weekend. So I'm starting to get a little bit irritated with Mother Nature. Once it's March, any little bit of snow just puts me in a bad mood. But the draft is less than a month away, and I'm I'm getting ready for it to keep, be here. I love the draft as much as anybody ever, but I'm starting to get a little bit not worn out, but I'm starting to ready to start looking forward to 2019 as well. So, <laughs> and it's just all these hypotheticals, like I just wanted to see it play out and see where we go from there.
1: Right. This is well. I mean, you and I have been working on the draft for 11 months now. For this Long this up- well, longer than that. I mean, you especially longer than that. But I mean, it just. You, you know all the names, you know where they're supposed to, not supposed to go, but you got a g- good general idea and you're just kind of ready for it to play out how you think it might play out and, and just see what the Broncos are going to do, obviously, and kind of get tired of all these Twitter battles of will they go quarterback, will they not, who's the top quarterback, who's not, all those things. So it, it just, it's a, a conversation that's been going on for a long time. So I understand, but it's one of those. You want the draft to get here fast, but then it's over, and then you go, oh, man, now we got like three months of no football. So it's uh, a bittersweet when the draft comes around, for sure, for me. But I understand the bad weather, man. Uh, we started soccer practice this week. I coach soccer, as you know. Yeah. And uh, we had to move practice inside, and trying to play in a gym with all the kids. Oh, my goodness. It is a nightmare scenario, but they're a lot of fun, so I'm excited for the group this year. But back to football, I want to let all of our listeners know the Huddle Up 2018 draft show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, as it relates especially to the upcoming NFL draft. With Nick and myself being draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting reports, player value scheme, and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter, of course. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and affiliated to CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners. So as a call to action, go to take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Well, Nick, the the big news for the Broncos this last week is we got our right tackle. And I don't know what's the word to describe Broncos country's response to this. I I thought it would be a little bit more upbeat, I guess.
0: Didn't you? I think... I thought it would be, but at the, this day and age where you have a lot of people with opinions that aren't taking the time to watch the tape and contextualize it, and you see PFF spit out a number, and that pretty much just influences what people think about the player or the trade. So he didn't score the best last year, according to Pro Football Focus. But I'm, I'm excited about the trade. I don't think it's a long-term solution, but considering the massive black hole that has been the Broncos' right tackle position in a while— this is probably the the best right tackle we've had since Orlando Franklin before the Super Bowl when he got just absolutely obliterated. I, I would agree. This isn't a home run trade, but this is a solid
1: double. Like you said, when we've had guys going out there, Stevenson, Watson, and watch them just get... I mean, it's it, the, the joke is you could stick a tackling dummy out there and they'd do a better job than those guys. At least they'd get in the way. Sometimes it's almost like they were just like, oh, nope, just... Go on through. Don't worry about me. I'll just stand here. And Jared Deere, he has lots of NFL experience. If you don't know much of his history. He played for the Raiders for quite a while. And I, I was very, very happy when they did not re-sign him. Because I thought he was one of their better players at that time. That's when they were just an absolutely terrible team. But he was one of the few bright spots for him. And then, of course, spent the last four seasons with Arizona. Mostly playing left tackle for them. And played right tackle a little bit last year but he did struggle. I mean, we can't overlook that. He did have his struggles of switching to the other side, but it it is a lot more of a change than people like to admit. You're all of a sudden going from trying to learn to write with your right hand to all of a sudden you're learning to have to learn with your left hand how to write. I mean, you you can learn it. And if you have enough practice and repetition, it's going to get easier because the footwork will get there and everything else, but it just takes time. So, entering his second year of actually playing right tackle. I I expect him to be at least a decent starter for us. Nothing, nothing. I I don't expect all pro level. No Bronco fan should expect that, but even a guy that's just playing average at the right tackle would be one
0: of the biggest upgrades in the NFL. I think I agree. And this actually was his first year playing right tackle. They switched over. This would be a second year upcoming, but they switched over. They had a first round pick the same year the Broncos took Shane Ray in a offensive tackle from Florida named DJ Humphreys. Very athletic kid, talented, very raw, but a guy that was mocked a lot to the Denver Broncos during that period, if you recall. And they switched him in Veldir. You touched on it. It's hard to switch from the left to the right or the right to the left. It's just everything's backwards. So it took a little bit of time, but as the season went on, he started off the year pretty bad. He gave up 27 pressures in the first five weeks. I think he was he played until week 13 because he had an injury, but only gave up 12 pressures in the last eight games. So that's that's good. I mean, we'll, we'll take that. And considering, let's also consider the scheme as well. You had a new quarterback in there because Carson Palmer got hurt and Carson Palmer got injured as well. It's Bruce Arian's vertical offense, which puts probably more pressure on an offensive line and pass protection than most NFL schemes today. You know, you have more spread concepts and West Coast where the ball's getting out there quickly. That's not the case for... Bruce Arians you know he's attacking the ball down the field and that can put a strain on an offensive tackle and I was I've been watching a lot of build tape this season he actually went back over to left tackle because DJ Humphreys got hurt and he played better there but I mean that's just him being more comfortable there I think they're keeping bowls at left tackle so Veldhier is going to be a right I think you can pencil him in barring an injury and it sounds like they're going to keep Watson as well I'm not sure exactly the specifics about the contract what's available to me, it sounds like he's guaranteed, but then there's some people that say post June first, there's you can get a bunch of money off. So I'm not exactly sure. Sport track and what's the other site? Over the cap, they have different, mm-hmm. they have different information out there. So a little bit annoying, not sure exactly what is right, but I'm happy about it. And he's watching his tape, he's not the most exciting player at right tackle because he's not physically dominating at the point of attack in the run game. But He's pretty consistent. He moves fairly well for a guy his size. I mean, he's, what is he, 6'9", 6'8", 312, 320 pounds. So he's he's a big fella, and he moves pretty well. He can stay in front of guys. The issue is with him, for being such a tall guy, he has short arms, only 33 inches. And when you go up against a guy with powerful hands, long arms, I saw him against Brandon Graham of the Eagles, against Dexter Lawrence of the Cowboys. He had some struggles there. So... I am excited about the move, especially considering, you know, what are you paying him? Just under $7 million and you only gave up a six-round pick this year. It solidifies that offensive line tremendously, and it makes it just not as big of a need. Now, he's got to play healthy. He's got to show a little bit better at right tackle than he did last season, but I think he will. And hopefully playing with a better offensive line overall, because believe it or not, the Arizona Cardinals offensive line was worse than the Broncos last year. I will fight you if you disagree. No, not really, but <laughs> it's it, it really was not it was not a good unit and Broncos' offensive line should be better. I'm excited. There is some talk there was some talk last year that he might hang it up and retire and the Cardinals got a decent chunk of cap for moving on from him, but he's still got a little bit of life left. Now, whether this is a one-year stopgap or potentially a two or three-year guy, we can't be sure. You know, it's going to depend on how he does this year, depend on some injuries. And he's, he's only 31 years old, though. I mean, that's, that's old for NFL standards. But what, how old was Whitworth last year when he got paid by the Rams? Wasn't he like 37?
1: 36 or 37.
0: Yeah. So Vildier still, got some, Vildier still got some potential left to play for a little bit. Only one year left on his deal. We'll see if they keep it that way. I heard that there might be a restructure involved. that might involve adding another season on there, shifting some of that, that cap around, just adding more guaranteed, but making the one-year cap hit not as much. So we'll see, but he's got to stay healthy. Overall, I'd say I'm, I'd give it a, a B+. Plus. You know, there's, like you said, Broncos country not as excited as I'd hoped they would have been because, I mean, geez, you guys have been begging for a right tackle forever. You know, it's just, you can't, you get what you want and then it's not what you want. So make up your damn minds. You're like, a, what's his face in the notebook? Like, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah, I just brought up a <laughs> notebook in a, a football podcast. Oh,
1: man, you just admitted you watched that movie.
0: I, and I just actually have never seen it. I just know the uh, the gif from it. Sure, it's like, sure. It's like uh, taking your girl <laughs> and asking her where she wants to go eat, and she just doesn't come up with it. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> so that, That's that's the main reason. I won't lie, though. My, my dad's a fan of that movie, so if that's yeah. anything about my, my genetics. But I, <laughs> I, I have never seen it.
1: I, I've seen it. I, I I will admit that. had a girlfriend that wanted to watch it in college. I did.
0: My girlfriend's not into chick flicks. I guess I can, I can thank my lucky star. She'd rather watch a football game. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. got I need to have your girlfriend talk to my wife, man. <laughs> yeah, just she's never been into chick flicks. She likes rom-coms, and she likes, you know, kind of lighter-hearted sitcom stuff. I mean, Netflix, everything's sitcoms now instead of movies. But from just cheesy, goopy, romantic stuff, nah, that's not for her. So thank yeah. goodness for that. But Anyway back, back <laughs> anyway, yeah back, back.
1: To, back to the Villa here yeah, yeah. I, I agree i I'm surprised that people aren't more excited about this because i I think this is a, a good move for the Broncos and like I said, it's for a six round pick. I mean six round picks are usually your special teams guys, not not a starter type very rarely I mean you do have guys like Trevathan who is a, a starter for the Broncos and that was a great starter for the Broncos, but that that's that's not the norm usually. That's what you're kind of thinking is more of these special times, special teams guys that help fill out the roster, help with the cap. And so to get a starter at right tackle and a guy that has proven success in the NFL. Now, yes, he did have his struggles last year, but he was also hurt most of the year. And, I mean, ended up on injured reserve because of a, a fractured ankle. But, again, if you can get a starter for that kind of quality and especially a tackle. And I had some people complaining about the, the cap hit of just under $7 million for the Broncos. And I'm going, have you not seen the contracts being handed out to these tackles? Guys that are worse than Valdir are making $10, $11 million. There's guys out there that were were backups most of the year. And because they came in and started a couple games and are young and maybe showed a little bit of promise, oh, yep, let's hand them $10 million a year for the next four years. So this is, this is a bargain deal compared to a lot of tackle players out there. And really the Broncos offensive line isn't that expensive right now. Leary is your top guy cap wise. Otherwise you got Paradis who's still on his restricted free agent contract. Maybe McGovern, maybe a draft pick at another spot. We're, we'll get into that here in just a second. But right now you're the Broncos really aren't spending huge, huge mon- amounts of money on, on this offensive line. So if they can really fill out this group, especially if they can get a, a, an upgrade at maybe the right guard position, man, that that would be, be huge. And so let's let's jump into that for a second, because you had mentioned earlier about Watson and that there's a possibility that now his contract is fully guaranteed. So it's going to be hard for the Broncos, barring a trade or barring a post-June 1st cut, where they're going to have to take a little bit of dead money hit, obviously. Well, what, what do you think about his possibility of playing that right guard
0: spot? There's just been conflicting reports about whether or not his contract became super guaranteed or not after the league year started. So I guess that's a wait and see in my in that regard. If it's not guaranteed, I would be very happy to move on from him because he has a pretty big cap hit. But if you're stuck with him, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. You're still under the cap. And for me, Watson offers three position ability. I think he could play either guard spot and he can play right tackle and something the Broncos have lacked over the last few seasons forget about even the starters quality depth so i i would fully expect watson to compete for that right guard spot with mcgovern depending on what happens in the draft and i he, he could win it i mean he's he struggles in space when he's asked to block on an island because he just does not have that foot speed on the edge but inside in a phone booth let him go forward let him down block heck even you can he has enough athleticism for the guard position even you know some pull blocks or a zone stretch anything like that I think he can do it so right now I'd expect McGovern and Watson to compete for that right guard spot it sounds like Leary is penciled in for left guard as well there was some talk he was none too happy about being displaced from that position last year so they're moving him back there and good for bulls, good for the offensive line I say but right guard we'll see what happens might be a draft pick but I I'm not ruling out Watson at all because I think he does have a skill set that translates well to the inside at right guard
1: right I, I'm with you there and and I remember last year, like you said, the, the depth of our offensive line. I remember when Bulls went down, you and I were were chatting online. And I think one of us typed something like, oh, man, we're screwed. Season over. Because th- there was just nobody behind him. Th- th- there was no depth. There was uh, – Stevenson was your guy that came in. And that's that's about the worst you can have for a depth guy at playing left tackle. And so if the Broncos can get better depth and if Watson's part of that depth, that that's not a bad guy to have for depth. He's not the biggest quality starter, but he's a guy with starting experience. He has some ability, has some upside. He knows the system now. So there's definitely some promise there. And like you said, he has that power to really do well on the inside. There's some tackles that can't move inside because they don't have that power to, to go up against those bigger guys. They're just going to get shoved right back into the quarterback's lap
0: or they're too tall.
1: Right. And Watson, that's not something I'm worried about. He can, he can go inside. I think he can hold his own. I think that might be actually a better spot for him because of his foot speed, that being more of his problem. And he gets, I mean, he does get caught lunging a little bit. And I do worry now that we're going to have to go against Sue and, and Donald on the same defensive line facing those interior guys. But I, like I said, I think Watson, he could be, he could be an average starter there. I, I I don't expect again, I don't expect huge things out of him, but I think he can do okay. But the, the big question, I guess now with this whole Valdir signing is what in the world does this mean for the draft for the Broncos? What, what do you think, if anything, this changes for them?
0: I just think it means that you don't feel as pressed to go offensive line with the first two picks. Now, obviously, if a talent falls, they should be looking to do that because Veld here is not a long-term option, and you definitely could use an upgrade at right guard. But I do not you're not married to it, which is fantastic. That means that if a running back that you like a lot falls there, a wide receiver, an off-ball linebacker like Vance Joseph indicated today is a big need for the Broncos heading into the draft, or even a cornerback, you have more options there where you can let the board fall and go and get a guy. If you had, you know, potentially McGovern and Watson on the right side, you might feel a little bit more pressed to take an offensive lineman for the first or second pick just because you want to solidify that offensive line. But having Paradis, Bowles, Beltier, and Leary, McGovern or Watson at right guard, I mean, even if they don't go with a right guard early, I, I feel comfortable with that, and I think that's as good as, of an offensive line as the Broncos have had in a few years. That right tackle solidifies that much more and I'm expecting a step up from Bulls. So it just allows the Broncos, puts them in a better position going into the draft because if there's a talent there or a guy they can target that they like a lot, you know, move up, move down a little bit, they don't have to just sit there and say, okay, best offensive lineman that falls, that's where we're going. If there's somebody else there, you know, too bad, so sad, we'll have to skip them for an offensive line.
1: Right. Well, it's kind of like last year. I think most everybody knew Broncos were going to go offensive tackle. They, They were kind of pressured into that kind of situation. I'm not saying that they didn't want bulls. I I knew, I know that they wanted bulls. We know that, but it's one of those, they did not have a left tackle. Stevenson was their only left tackle that had any kind of experience or anything like that. So you're kind of stuck when you come to the draft and, and every team knows that every team knows they can exploit that out of you of maybe some trades. Thankfully he ended up falling to the Broncos at 20, But they they were. They were trying to trade up quite a bit just to make sure that they got that guy. And thankfully, they didn't have to do that. But again, like you said, when you get to the draft, your biggest goal is you don't want to have to reach for a player just because it's such a position of need. You have no other choice. So like you said, now you can look at a lot of different positions. You can go ahead and target that quarterback in the first round and be okay with sitting them because you have depth at some other positions. You have starters at positions that were needing to be filled going into this season. You can look at inside linebacker. You can, like I said, you can target defensive line. Uh, you can maybe go cornerback if you really want to, because we, we still need some some depth there. You can go tight end earlier in the draft. I, I don't know. It just, it opens up a lot of things for the Broncos and I know they'll still take offensive line at some point, but now it's not going to have to be with the, either of the first two picks or even with both first two picks. So I, I don't know. It also opens up, I think, the type of players that you can take. That's the other big thing that I, I think you see here is because now they got that tackle position filled, they can go get guys that have tackle ability but also also can play guard. Uh, I know one of your your big draft crushes, Tyrell Crosby. You kind of talked about that with him a little bit of, of maybe seeing what he can do on the inside as well. He's got that power to, to be able to handle the inside, but he's got the length to be a tackle too. So maybe you start him on the inside, kind of like the, the Dolphins did with their guy from a couple years ago, and, and just see what you got. And then maybe as time goes on, you can move him outside and, and have your guy that's going to be your right tackle for the next, hopefully, 10 years. So again, it's just it's one of those moves that just helps with the draft, helps open up everything for him. So I like it. Glad that the Broncos finally got this done. I know they've been trying to trade for him for a while or hoping that he'd get cut for a while. And only to give up six round pick. Good job, Broncos.
0: Yeah, and going a little farther on that, how it affects the draft. I think the Broncos are still looking at offensive tackle, but it just pushes the need down further. And you don't need to get a guy who's as day one ready. So some of those day three guys that are interesting that aren't gonna be ready day one, you know, Brett Toth from Army, Greg Sanat from Wagner, Brandon Parker from North Carolina ANT, Desmond Harrison from West Georgia uh, from Texas originally. Those are guys that aren't going to be ready day one, but they have some upside. They have the length, they have the size, they have the athleticism that if they get that technique, get that proper weight on, that they could be very good players. But if if you're looking for a guy day one, they're not options. But luckily for the Broncos now, you got Veldt here, you got Watson even, and you got Bulls. So you can afford to let the board fall as it may and take a guy that Strausser, the Broncos offensive tackle coach, identifies day three or late day two and says, that's the guy I want. That's our future tackle. Give me him. I can make a starter out of him. So it's good. I'm I'm happy about it. And it gives the Broncos a lot more options going forward in the draft and makes them better. I mean, honestly, outside of Connor Williams and Mike McGlinchey, I don't see a tackle in this class that's going to come in day one and be as good as Feltier is going to be this upcoming season. Do you? I don't this tackle
1: group is underwhelming is uh, that's putting it nicely. (laughs) They're just, there's better depth, but there's just, you've said that before on here, there's good depth, but there's just not that huge high upside guy that you're just like, Oh man, this is, this has gotta be a top 10 pick kind of guy. I mean, you got Connor Williams who he's right on that edge of size wise of whether he's guard tackle, where he's going to fit. I think he's still a tackle. I think a lot of teams can can use him there, and he'll he'll be successful. McGlinchey, he's the most pro ready, but pro ready doesn't always mean the best. It just means day one they're probably going to be the highest quality. It's kind of like the the argument last year with Bowls compared to Ramcheck. Ramcheck was always going to be the better player year one. But you're, you're drafting Bulls because you see the higher upside. You see this guy as maybe becoming that top five left tackle in the NFL. You don't see that with you, I And I didn't see it, at least. I, I don't think you saw it either. So, yeah, it just, like I said, it just opens up so many things for the Broncos. And I I just can't see how anybody could be disappointed with this kind of move for the Broncos.
0: Yeah, it just, it helps the team today and it helps them going forward because they're not as pigeonholed into the offensive line for the first two picks. Now, that said, we talked about him last week, but if a guy like, you know, say, Martinez Rankin's there, top around round two, and they love him, or Will Hernandez won't fall there, but maybe a Billy Price or an Austin Corbett, I mean, those are all options that not only would they be great fits, but also great value. So, you know, you can... <clears throat>
1: James Daniels. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> tight and James Daniels. So we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm very stoked about the move, and whoever's playing quarterback next year should be pretty happy about it, too. Now, before we get to the day two defenders that we're going to talk about, we got to tell you about our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right. Well, last week, like I mentioned, we discussed a bunch of the day two slash early day three offensive prospects, and we got to cover our bases and get to the the defensive side of the ball now because the draft is less than a month away and small. I feel like we've been talking quarterbacks a lot because that's what you people want to hear. And that's, that's the interesting stuff. But day two, honestly, I mean, people say day three is probably more of the money rounds, but day three, most of those guys won't make it. But I feel like you got to hit those day two players because these guys need to be starters by the end of their contract for most teams that they're going to have continuous success. And one of the reasons the Broncos kind of fell off, obviously quarterback plays a big reason, but always really struggled recently with day two. Luckily, it looks like the, well, depending on what happens with Adam Gatsas, the 2016 draft class looks solid with Gatsas playing well last year and Justin Simmons, who looks like a budding stud. I wouldn't say a star, but he's he's on his way. But day two has been a sore spot for the Broncos, and luckily it looks like this year's got some pretty good talent there. And one area that I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at to go there early, at least day two, second round, third round, maybe fourth round, is the interior defensive line. And it looks like a pretty good class. You have a very good talent, kind of similar to Demarcus Walker, where he's a little bit of a tweener, but as I, I'm talking about, Rasheem Green from USC. To me, Rasheem Green is what I think the Broncos wished Demarcus Walker was. Because Demarcus Walker, he was a guy who was not only a master of none, but kind of a jack of none. You know, he's not really athletic enough, bending enough to play the outside, not really twitchy, going forward enough or strong enough with his hands to play on in the interior. Hopefully added strength and another year in the league will help him, but Rasheem Green... Played this entire year in a high ankle sprain, and you could tell it impacted him, especially with some of his ability to anchor, but his athleticism going forward, his just strong hands, and his sophomore year tape was really, really exciting, and he tested through the roof at the combine, one of the better defensive linemen at the combine. RJ McIntosh from Miami, more of an early day three guy, maybe late day two, but has the potential to play three technique, five technique, long, good motor. Derek Nottie, more of an interior guy of a, like a zero-one technique. Trenton Thompson, I believe he was the number one overall defensive line recruit when he came into the University of Georgia. And he's flashed a lot. Very long arms, long guy, but not always the most consistent guy. But there's definitely tools there. Nathan Shepard, who I'm going to not talk too much about because I know, Carl, you're a big fan. Harrison Phillips, Stanford, a guy that I'm not as high on. He tested better than I thought he would at the Combine, but solid player. I could see the Broncos going there. B.J. Hill, a guy that I am a big fan of. Very strong hands. I mean, he had a better three-cone than Bradley Chubb. He's a better agile athlete in that regard than Bradley Chubb was. Crazy, and he's he's a monster. Huge. Uh, Deirdre Senat from USF, a strong plug guy. I know the Broncos have spoken with him. At the combine, I remember Andrew Mason was just like drooling over this kid, so he really stuck out to me. Breland Speaks from Ole Miss is an interesting one, kind of another tweener, but you get guys in the interior that have some length and can get after the passer. Those Those are valuable dudes. And another guy who's not really being talked about in that regard right now but I think he's a good fit for the Broncos is Bolo Runso Fatakusie from Yukon. He did very well at the Shrine Bowl, one of the defensive line Shrine Bowl standouts and I he just fits the mold of what the Broncos like on the interior. He can play some nose, he can play 3, and I think he has the athleticism and the length and the power to play base 5 if they need to. You know, it just depends on the front you're playing and you know who's in there at that certain time, but pretty good interior defensive line class. Day two, wise at least, and I would be, I would be surprised if the Broncos at least didn't heavily consider going with one of these guys in day two.
1: Yeah, this is this is a very high upside group, I would say. There's some of these guys that haven't really reached their full potential. I think of like a Trenton Thompson, where like you said, you see him flash and you go, "Oh my gosh, this guy!" He just destroyed the people in front of him, but he just doesn't do it consistent enough. And this is the one area we we've talked about it with some of the the coaching with the Broncos of they haven't always done the best of coaching guys up to reach their potential. But defensive line is one of the few areas that I sit here and say, take a guy with high upside, take a guy. That's that's high motor, high, high ability, but just needs some work on the technique just needs a guy that's going to motivate him. And Bill Kolar, you get a guy like Trenton Thompson with him. Oh my goodness. I, I can't imagine Nathan Shepard. Like you said, I'm, I'm a big fan not only because he played college football not too far from me, but uh, he, he's a nice kid. He's got a great story, and he's he's a great player. I mean, you always want you always want those small school guys. This is what you need. You need them to show that they are athletic or as athletic as the guys who are in the 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 Big Five conferences. They're at future NFL peers. Right, exactly. But you also want them to have dominated their level. They can't just sit there and have put up average numbers at their level. They, they need to show that they were so much above the guys they were playing. And Nathan Shepard was the defensive player of the year in his conference. So obviously showed that. I watched one play where he took pretty much two defensive linemen, drove them straight back, grabbed the quarterback with one of the arms, pulled him down. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And that's what this guy brings. I mean, he just, he has power. He has speed. He's got some, some nice technique already in his, his belt. And, and he's a guy that's driven. He's had a, a pretty tough life. He's had a, he's had to work for everything he's gotten. And I like those kind of guys that they're not going to take for granted. The fact that they just made it to the NFL, that they know every ounce of sweat, blood, tears, everything that took them to get there. They just weren't just handed everything. And so, again, big fan of his one of the guys you didn't mention that I really like just because, again, Bill Kolar is Andrew Brown. And just watching him at the the senior bowl, he and B.J. Hill, Nathan Shepard, all of those guys, they just absolutely destroyed the offensive linemen. B.J. Hill especially. He was unblockable. Even even some of the top offensive linemen struggled against him. So I, I, I'm a big fan of his, just like you are. He is more athletic than sometimes what you saw on tape. I think they had him take on a lot of double teams to kind of help other guys out when maybe they should have just unleashed him a lot more. But again, there, there's just a lot of guys. And Andrew Brown is one of those. He just destroyed people. He was so quick with his first step. And you like that, especially in this, this one gap system where you just got guys shooting the gaps, trying to go make plays in the backfield. And so I feel like he's, He's one of those guys, if he can just get the right coaching, you can make something out of him.
0: Yeah, I've heard from some people that have a pulse on Andrew Brown that he is a coaching nightmare. Ah. Sc- screaming matches with coaches and like trying to get into fights with coaches that are trying to work on his technique. So I've, I mean, the tape when he flashes is exciting. But if that's the type of guy he is, I can't see Kohler being that interested. I mean, you do want to take guys that are raw and athletic upside. That's for sure. When you have a guy like Kolar, but I just, I think that a guy that's not going to really take too hard nose coaching that that's a concern. So, right. To- well, I, I, I would,
1: I would want Bill Kolar to sign off on any guy that we're taking for the defensive line. I mean, you'd hope that he's maybe spoken to the guy or done something, some kind of research just to know what he's getting in in that locker room. And I, I think of it also just like with Derek Wolf, he's not the easiest personality to get along with because he's very driven. He's a hard worker and he doesn't like anybody that doesn't work as hard as him. And I, I mean, I, I remember during training camp one time he was getting after some of the rookies cause they were walking and here he is the four or five year veteran in the league and he's getting after the rookies for walking. So yeah, I mean, it's, he's going to have to go to the right fit. Like I said, he's going to have to have a coach that understands him, works with him that can get the best out of him. And I don't know if Kolar is the best fit. I don't know if anybody's going to be the best fit with that kind of player. You hope that they can humble themselves and figure out that they don't know everything, that they're not the best in the world and that they are given an incredible opportunity to make a great career for themselves make a lot of money in a very short amount of time for playing football. So, but again, I I like a lot of these guys, a lot of high upside guys, maybe in that, like you said, second round, maybe a little too high that third round. I'm really hoping the Broncos take one of these guys.
0: Nathan Shepard with a third round comp pick. Let's let's do it. But let's, let's just, let's make a blood oath.
1: Okay. All right. We're going to be tweeting that for like the next month. Yeah. Nathan Shepard, you will be a Denver Bronco.
0: Yeah, and I saw. I think it was Kyle Krabs of Nut Scouting did an article the other day comparing these guys, the different dudes in the NFL, and he compared Nathan Shepard to Larry Ogunjobi, who was a third round pick last year by the Browns. I think he might have been the first pick in the third round, and he had a pretty good year. Very long guy, good burst, strong. You know, needs to work on some technique, but I think he's got a high upside, and I would not be surprised with sense, especially since Cole got some hands on him at the senior.
1: The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put Joel sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With queen mattresses
0: starting at three forty nine ninety nine. 99 Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See Store or MattressFirm.com for details. Cool. But anyway, we should move on here to edge rushers. Guys I have listed here, Sam Hubbard from Ohio State. He might go in the first round. He Did you see what he ran at the Ohio State's pro day? I didn't. It was not good. He killed it in like the jumps in the athleticism drills, but his, his straight line speed was garbage. Uh, another guy here is Arden Key. From top five pick to guy being falling to the round two, there's obviously some character concerns there. Off the field questions, weight questions even. Ogbania Okoronkwo from Oklahoma. Duke Ejiofor from Wake Forest, a little bit more of a 4-3 heavy end, but an interesting guy there. Lorenzo Carter, a very good athlete, tested through the roof of the Combine. Josh Sweat, same story. Dorrance Armstrong came in this season with a fair amount of hype, kind of fell off, but I think he's still a day-two edge. Uh, Kamoko Toure, a guy that you know from the Senior Bowl. And Jalen Holmes, who's one. He's probably a day-three guy, but kind of a power edge and an interesting guy, and he was another one who killed it at the Senior Bowl. So I'll, I'll hand it off to you.
1: The first guy that really sticks out to me here is Josh Sweat of FSU. I watched him, and, I mean, like you said, he he killed it at the the combine. Uh, ran his 40 and 4'53, 6'4", or almost 6'5", 250 pounds. That's exactly what the Broncos look for in their edge guys. Huge wingspan. He was in the 98th percentile for wingspan at 84 and 1/8 inch. Arm length, again, very long, very big hands. Uh, vertical jump was almost 40 inches for a guy of his size. I mean, this guy—he did. He just test, tested off the roof. He and Lorenzo Carter actually, were, uh, on the the spider graph, are the the two closest to each other. And other guys that you see here listed are Jadavian Clowney, kind of guys. So that's the kind of athleticism that we're talking about. The the one thing I really noticed though that he needs to work on, and this is why I would love him for the Broncos, is he does not get off the line he's usually the last guy off the snap. He just, he doesn't time things very well. That was one thing last year with watching Walker was he was very good at timing things up. He really worked hard to try to guess snap counts and try to get that first step in the, in in the backfield and and beat guys that way. And so this guy, that's, I would love for him to work with Von Miller on working on that timing because you pair that athleticism with that timing And you have Von Miller on the other side and quarterbacks aren't going to know what hit them. I mean, they're they're just not even going to be able to stand in the, in the pocket. They're going to be freaking out every second that they're back there. That One of these guys is going to be coming around the edge. So a guy I really like, like I said, he's very long so he can keep offensive tackles off of him. He can bend around the edge decently. He's not as, as bendable as Von Miller, but who is, but I don't know. I, I just think that he has some, some very high upside. He didn't get, as great of an opportunity with FSU because they weren't great this year. When their quarterback went down for the year, their season was kind of lost. And so they were playing from behind a lot. So we didn't get the pass rush opportunities. But again, just a, a very high op- opportunity guy. I'll let you talk about Learn's Cardo card because that's your guy. But Kamoko Terre is another guy that really, I just think that late third, early fourth, if you're wanting to get a guy with some high upside, there's your guy because he is athletic as they come. Again, this is a very athletic group and have some high upside. They just need to work on some different things. They need some technique work. Terrace had a lot of injuries is the other issue for him. And then Rutgers didn't didn't really know how to use him. There's so many plays that I watched with him where he just he kind of was stuck because he's like, I don't know if I'm going after the quarterback. I don't know if I'm dropping in coverage. They just kind of had him running everywhere. And I, I think they just needed to kind of nail down his position a little bit better and just really figure out what they wanted to do with him. But I, I don't know. Those, those are the two names that really stick out to me. Any any that really stick
0: out to you? I really like, obviously, the two that you named for a fit for us. I like Agbani Okoronkwo. He measured, I mean, he is short, but he had decently long arms, and he measured decently thick as well. So he's not getting blown off the ball. I'm not taking him round two, but round three, round four, if he's there, I'm I'm about it. So he's very interesting, and I do like Lorenzo Carter as well. I think he's probably a little bit better as an edge guy who's not a pure pass rusher, but plays in coverage as well. Now, that said, that's how Georgia used him, so he's still got gobs of potential, I think, as a pass rusher. Obviously, an athletic freak. So, I, I don't know. I think edge rusher is a, a low-key, high need for the Broncos, and I would not be surprised if the Broncos go edge rusher as early as the second pick. I mean, you have Von Miller there, obviously, but then after that, Shane Ray, are they going to put on the fifth year option? And Shaq Barrett, restricted free agent, doesn't does not sound like they are working on an extension for him. So if both those guys are gone next year, you you just have Von Miller. I don't think you want to be in a situation where you go into next year just having Von Miller.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree with that one bit. Shane Ray hasn't really proven anything that he deserves that fifth year option. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. He's got to prove that he can actually be a three down player. That he can be the the player they thought they were getting there in the first round of that huge steal that fell because of uh, getting pulled over and finding drugs in his car. But he hasn't been that yet. He's proven that he's a solid backup that can come in and, and rush the passer. But that's, that's about it. And same with, with Jack Barrett, he was much better. I thought as a backup when he would come in, he was that high energy guy. He was very good against the run he could get after the quarterback a little bit, but putting him in for an entire game, it's just, it's hard for him to hold up. And so if if they could get a Josh sweat there in the third round, I would be doing backflips, Lorenzo Carter, Dorrance Armstrong. I mean, there's just a lot of guys here, like you said, with very high upside that you get a little bit of work with them. And I think they could turn into something good for the Broncos. So Good group here. Uh, this is going to be that sweet spot. And, and this is the hard part for the uh, this draft is because it is actually a very deep draft. And that second, third, fourth round, thankfully the Broncos have a lot of picks in those rounds, obviously. But they're going to have to get this right. They're going to have to figure out the combination of how they want to do this of offensive and defensive talent added to each side. Because second round, third round is really where the offensive line is going to be pretty hot and heavy. The... Defensive line, edge rushers. Again, this is kind of where that is. The off-ball linebackers that we're going to talk about here in just a second. These are some of those sweet spots, and I, I just I, there's a lot of directions the Broncos can go, and I'm going to be very happy with. There's also a lot of directions they can go that I'm going to go. What in the world are you doing? So let's let's get to this off-ball linebacker position because this was kind of a big deal today because Vance Joseph was interviewed and was asked kind of about the the off-ball linebacker position. And essentially he said that they are very excited to draft one high in the draft, but they haven't really given their, their off ball linebacker coach, a high pick high potential kind of guy. They've always kind of gone late round guys, undrafted guys. And so they were kind of excited to, to add one to this group. And so I don't know, it just seems like that almost they were kind of giving things away there a little bit of, of where they want to go here. You got guys like Fred Warner of BYU, Layton Vanderesh of of Boise State. I know you've talked about him quite a bit, Darius Leonard of, of SE State, uh, Malik Jefferson of Texas, Uchina Nuoso of USC, and Oren Burks of Wake Forest. and and there's other names we'll talk about here in just a second, but of that group, I guess, who who really sticks out to you?
0: I think the best guys on that list would have to be Fred Warner and Leighton Vanderich. Leighton Vanderich is a ball of potential right now to me. We were talking about it in a group chat earlier, how we came to watch the Oregon Boise state bowl game to watch Tyrell Crosby and Justin Herbert, who looks like a potential for the number one pick in the 2019 draft. It was his first game back after a long He had an injury this season as well, so he didn't have the best game. But, man, Leighton Vanderich was not being talked about enough before that game. He was the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, and it showed why. And he absolutely killed it at the combine. I mean, not only as an athletic, from an athletic standpoint, but he's huge as well. He's absolutely monstrous. I think he weighed close to 260 pounds, which is just unheard of for a linebacker in today's game. I honestly would be fine with him losing some weight because that's not really... The, uh, the game today isn't that size. And I think Fred Warner is probably one of the more unheralded linebackers in this entire class. He was at the Senior Bowl, and he's a former four-star recruit. And he just, he moves so great in space. He's so athletic. He flies around. He's not the best in the box again, but that, that's not really his game. He's more of that weak side, or a weak inside linebacker, so to speak, where you can use him against tight ends, against running backs, and... He can stick with them pretty, pretty darn well. So both of those guys, you probably got to take them with that second round pick if you want them. But both intrigue me a lot, and I would be more than happy with them. And they hinted that the Broncos could go linebacker early, but if they if a talent doesn't fall that makes sense of the board, I would be fine waiting until day three. I mean, you have two fours and three fives. The mid-rounds, early day three, seems like a very, very good spot. Very good spot this year for off-ball linebacker. I mean, you got Shaquem Griffin who could go late day two, early day three. Dorian O'Daniel who might be arguably the best coverage linebacker in this class. He's almost more of a strong safety. Jannard Avery. Jack Kechi who's somebody who's had some injuries who... But his... When he was healthy, I mean, he could have been a top 50 pick, top 40 pick this year if he'd stayed healthy and played as well as he did the year prior. T. Gray Scales from Indiana. Micah Kaiser from Virginia. Josie Jewell from Iowa. Marquise Haynes from Ole Miss. Christian Sam from ASU. I mean, this is... This is a... There's a glut of off-ball linebackers this season, and I, I'd be fine going day two with one, but if you want to go elsewhere the board doesn't stack out that way, you got options on options early day three. So I I would not be surprised at all if they took one, maybe even if they trade back take two, you know, because you, you, those linebackers not only are they good for playing, obviously, when the defense is out there, but they make up a good chunk of your special teams play as well.
1: This is definitely one of the, the best off-ball linebacker drafts I've seen. It, it, this has been a position that's not not featured a lot of great guys lately it seems like you have maybe one guy that's a, a top 20 kind of pick and ends up getting overdrafted because everybody's like, oh my gosh, the talent after him is terrible. And then you got a couple guys that end up kind of coming out of nowhere and showing up pretty well but but yeah, this is a, a deep group that I could see coming in making an impact very early in in their careers. One of my favorites is Oren Burks. Uh, of Wake Forest. I, I would argue that he's a better coverage guy than Dorian O'Daniel. But, I mean, I, you could make a case between those two. But I, I love Oren Burks in coverage. I think he could be that great tight end equalizer for a team. But Fred Warner, again, that's one of my – I watched a lot of him, especially today, and I just loved his play. He has that C-ball, hit ball. I I mean, he just – he fires like a missile. And I I just love that that he closes so quickly on the football. He has the ability to turn his hips, run with anybody. The the one thing with him that I I just kept seeing happen quite often was he wasn't he didn't have the greatest tackling form. Mm -mm. He he just kind of he does the like grab their arm and almost yank them to the ground kind of thing or grab one foot and just kind of happen to to pull him down to the ground. So he's got to get better about breaking down. And and actually, you know, hitting guys center chest, driving them to the ground. He, he does a lot of kind of bouncing off to the side and and pulling them to the ground almost. So I, I want to see that cleaned up a little bit. But that's that's something that can actually be improved as a player. And when he has that kind of range that he does and coverage ability, that, that's the kind of guy that you want on your team for sure. So like you said, definitely a great group. Watched some Jack Sitchi today from Wisconsin, and another guy that I think. I mean, he's got great pass rushing ability. He's got great. Uh, he he was one of the better ones I saw of actually working through the traffic and making
0: yes. plays. Yeah, he can sip through that garbage very well. He picks his point and then he boom goes and makes a play. A lot of a lot of tackles in the backfield because of that.
1: Right. I, I watched him on one play like lift a a guard off the ground and slam him to the ground, then go tackle the running back. So if you're looking for a guy that could be maybe even a better Todd Davis, but with a little bit more, a higher upside, Jack that you could be that guy. If he could actually stay healthy and he's not, he's not healthy right now. That's my one big thing with him is I don't know if he's fully ready for this upcoming season. And I don't know if I want to go into another year of doing the, Oh, Jake, but is he going to be healthy or is he not going to be healthy? Oh man. Now that guy had to sit out an entire year. I want guys that are going to be able to contribute pretty early in their careers. And so I, I have a little concern there, but again, high upside guy. So I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind Broncos going pretty heavy in this group because right now, really, they only have two guys and some borderline, whether they should ever make a roster or not in the NFL kind of guys, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> they'll they'll make it if they don't have any other, other options, but you definitely are looking for an upgrade. So I'm excited to see what what happens for the Broncos with that off ball linebacker position.
0: It's definitely a year where they're going to take somebody. Who is it going to be? How early are they going to go? I don't know. I would not be hell bent on going one. There's not like all of a sudden a, a drop off that you see going into day three. I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if you know three, four guys taken day three end up being solid starters in the NFL. So it's it's a good group, and I'm excited the Broncos are looking to go there because. That means they're identifying a strength in the class. And Todd Davis's contract, while some people kind of poo-pooed on it, it's easy to get out of if he struggles. And Brandon Marshall's contract also sounds like one that they could get out of next year as well for minimal cap hit. So going to the guy that can push those guys and take over, that's that's a good strategy. But speaking about pushing guys and taking over cornerbacks, we have a massive hole left over in cornerback. Because Aqib Talib's gone, and as excited as I am, I guess, for Bradley Roby taking over the outside, I don't see a third cornerback right now on the roster. That makes me excited. Brendan Langley has some potential, but he's got to take some massive steps forward next year. And this looks like a solid cornerback class. It's very it's very scheme-specific, so we'll, we'll kind of wade through that here. But you got Mike Hughes from Central Florida, who, if he would have tested better as far as straight-line speed, he would have been a first round pick in my opinion, but he ran something like a four five. So going to fall a little bit. Carlton Davis, great press corner, absolutely no ball skills, but interesting guy. Isaiah Oliver, probably will go the back end of the first round. But again, a guy who could slip to that Broncos pick at 40, definitely interest there. If he falls there, Dante Jackson, a little bit small, but a great athlete. Kevin Tolliver didn't test the best, but solid press man corner. Same with Isaac Yeadum from Boston college, Quinton Meeks, He has some press man ability. I think right now he's more of an off-ball guy, but interesting there. Both Alabama corners, Tony Brown and Anthony Averett, tested very well at the combine, have good size, and seem like guys that Alabama kind of teaches a weird defensive back uh, technique where they use a shuffle instead of a back pedal. So there'll be a little bit of a transition there, but they have some size and athleticism, so they are interesting. Duke Dawson, an interesting guy. He measured bigger than I thought, and he's a guy that is very good in the slot with some size to boot. So interesting there. Perry Nickerson from Tulane is somebody that I don't think is getting enough credit. I watched Tulane to watch Aid Aruna, who's kind of a, a hybrid defensive end, interior defensive line guy. Very raw, good athlete, but a day three player. So we're not we didn't really touch on him. But Perry Nickerson, I think he's a day three player for sure. And Nick Nelson, probably, probably a day three player. Perry Nicholson, day two player. My bad if I misspoke there, but Nick Nelson from Wisconsin, he actually transferred from Hawaii to Wisconsin, which who does that? I mean, Jesus talk about polar opposites. (laughs) Gosh, that just sounds horrible. I mean, I guess he's on the map now. And would he be on the map if he went to state at Hawaii? I don't know, but probably a early day three guy, but interesting player. Nonetheless, a little bit smaller, but very, very hashtag thick with two C's. You know, he's with five ten, five eleven, but like 205, 210 pounds. So, Interesting group. And I think the Broncos obviously they have a scheme. They look for press man corners, but they also are looking probably for a guy who can play some nickel. You know, if you either find the best boundary guy here, or the best nickel and eh, you can go with that. So there's, there's options here galore.
1: Is there anybody from this group that you would say I, I would pound the table for
0: them? I really like Quentin Meeks. I think he's very smart. I think he's long. He's the son of a defensive back coach in the NFL and he's just got good ball skills and everything. They didn't really throw at him. And also I really like Isaiah Oliver as well. But again, he's the, in my opinion, he's the, the number one corner here and he'll probably go back into the first, but we'll see. There's been some varying, varying opinions on that. And also you talked about him at the, in our senior bowl podcast, but I like Isaac Yidem from Boston college as well. He's long. He can play up at the line of scrimmage and gets his hands on guys and he can transition pretty well, flipping those hips. Not the best athlete, but you know, obviously if he ran a four, four he wouldn't be, where, you know, where we can pick him, but he's long, he's smart, he moves well, and he's, he's an interesting guy. Has rocks for hands, but,
1: <laughs> but no, he, he's, yeah, I, I, like him. I was going to talk about him here just a, a little bit, but um, yeah, senior bowl, he was one of the best quarterbacks there. Always in position to make a play, just could never come down with the football, but he, I think he'd be a great addition to the Broncos. Um, Mike Hughes, I was kind of thinking about him a little bit just because I was listening to Devance Joseph talk about the special teams returners today. And obviously Hughes gives you a little bit more versatility because he can be a returner he can be a great guy with the ball in his hands as a cornerback. I mean, he just, he makes plays everywhere, but another guy that really sticks out to me, I I love Carlton Davis. I think he maybe got a little bit bored this last year at times, kind of knowing he's going to the NFL. Uh, you, You can see that he not took plays off, but took a lot of risks and that's kind of what you get with him a little bit is a a very strong guy, a guy that can really manipulate where a wide receiver is going to go. And he tries to bait quarterbacks into bad decisions. Kind of like a keep to lead, but he's not quite that good. He's not as, as athletic as a keep to lead to be able to actually make the play. But again, just a guy that I think you get him in the right system, you get him with the right coaches and actually get him to play at his highest level. He is a guy that could really dominate because he has he has weeks when he is locked in. He's the best cornerback in football, in college football. But then he'll come back the next week and won't just won't show up. It, it just baffles me. It kind of reminds me of Bradley Roby a little bit. There are those weeks where Bradley Roby, Roby looks like a top five cornerback in the NFL. And then the next week he gets burned for two or three touchdowns. You're going, who is this guy? Uh, You don't know which kind of player he is. So Carlton Davis, he's he's kind of a high risk player, but I think you could have a huge reward from him as well.
0: I I hear you there. And I also, I don't know how much Duke Dawson you've watched. I thought he would be smaller than he measured, but he's five eleven and a half, and a half, I think, and almost 200 pounds. And he can play boundary, but man, he is, I think, I think he's probably the best slot corner in this class. So if he falls to Brown three and you looking for that guy, I'm, I'm very much about it, especially because you used a round three pick on Brendan Langley last year and you don't want to give up on him being a boundary corner yet because let's be honest, Langley is going to be a boundary guy. He's a press man through and through. He needs to work on that technique and get better because he's as raw as it gets, but I like Duke Dawson a lot. But moving on to safety, is a position that is interesting for the Broncos because they have one very, very solid guy going forward who I think will hopefully be here for five plus years and then that other safety position, I have no clue. I mean, not, heck, Let's see even other two safety positions with how much the Broncos play sub package and even moving more and more to three safety looks. And that is that strong safety look. I love Justin Simmons. He's one of the best young safeties in football, in my opinion. He's, he's so versatile. I love that he can come down and play some slot. I think he's a little stiff sometimes when he has to flip his hips in that regard, but he can do it. And he's also a good free safety as well. He's very, very strong. I think it was this before he was drafted. Didn't he have like, six interceptions on the season or seven crazy amount of interceptions so he's got ball skills and looks like he's going to be a stud for the broncos but that strong safety spot the guy opposite simmons darian stewart does not seem like a guy who's going to be here past this season there's a lot of talk about moving on from him before uh they kicked in his guaranteed money they were looking at trade partners so he's somebody that i do not think is in the long-term plans for the broncos and then same thing can be said about will parks and jamal carter the broncos were in heavy talks with the Redskins for Suha Cravens, but the Redskins had a high price and then Stewart's deal kicked in some guaranteed money. So I don't think that's dead yet, but it's definitely farther off from happening than it was before. And there are some there are some very interesting safeties in this class. Ronnie Harrison's a guy who's played strong safety for Alabama and he's not, he's not a wow athlete by any means, but if you take him in that second round and you're looking for that strong safety linebacker type that can come in the box and potentially play some man or just offer more of a, a thumper presence, which is becoming more and more valuable with teams playing three safeties. He's interesting. I really, really, really like Justin Reed and Jesse Bates. I think Justin Reed's probably going to be a guy who goes in the first round now after his amazing combine, but he's kind of similar to Simmons where he can be that free safety and come down and play slot as well. Same thing for Jesse Bates. And then you have some of those those bigger guys that are the strong safety linebacker types. And Terrell Edmonds, the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, he, is, he tested very well. He's a big guy. I think he weighed 210 pounds, 215 pounds, which as a safety, that's, that's excellent. He moves very well. And to a lesser extent, probably just a little bit lesser of a prospect is Kaiser White from West Virginia. But I like both those guys as that strong safety linebacker hybrid type. Then you got some other guys that aren't as well-known or not as high profile, at least in my rankings. Dane Kuraschenk from Arizona. He played mostly defensive back it, or mostly cornerback at Arizona, but he's probably going to be more of a safety nickelback type. Jordan Whitehead, who's raw, but probably has as high of upside as anyone outside the first round as being a single high safety. Marcus Allen, yeah, he's solid. He'll probably get a chance in the league, but I think he's kind of more of a, just a guy. And uh, same with Deshaun Elliott, but plenty of names there. Some interesting guys to go day two, and I could see the Broncos looking to go there because, again, those guys offer immediate special teams upside. And with how much three safety looks the Broncos have been transitioning to and the the NFL is transitioning to more and more, you got to have those guys that can match up. And if you're looking for players that can neutralize those tight ends and running backs, you know, as bad as the Broncos have been, you know, linebacker, isn't the only option there. You can go for a safety as well.
1: Definitely. And and like I said, this is a, a very versatile group. You can kind of find what you're looking for, what kind of fits your system, what, what you need at the point at that point, but I, I, one guy that just really stuck out to me, and like you said, he's probably now going to go in the first round after his combine, especially is Justin Reed. Oh my goodness. 40 yard dash ran low four, four, finished in the 95th percentile, broad jump in the 90th percentile, three cone drill, 92nd percentile. And then you go watch him in film. I mean, I went to go watch Quentin Meeks and Justin Reed kept jumping off the film. This guy just was everywhere. He just kept showing up and making plays. And and I remember his interception against uh, against Darnold of USC. Or he just came flying across the field and Darnold never really saw him. And he just made this great leaping catch. And he's a guy that has no problem coming down, helping in the run game. No problem dropping back, being the single high safety. He's just, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Justin Simmons in that way. Of just that versatility that you can put him a lot of different places and he's going to be successful. So again, if that second round, if you're looking for that other safety that can really help out, especially over the middle, because that's, that's where the Broncos struggled the most. They, they, I mean, I, I believe in Bradley Roby being that number two corner, obviously Chris Harris on the other side is a great corner, but where teams attacked was the middle of the field with the running backs and the tight ends. Broncos were, I think like 28th ranked, against like tight ends and 25th against like running backs. I can't quite remember the numbers, but I mean, they were in the bottom 10 of the NFL against both of them. And so you get a guy like Justin Reed um, and, and you love what you got. J- Jesse Bates, you know, you get some guys in there that can actually help over the middle of the field. That's why you love the idea that they're going to get an off ball linebacker most likely that can help in, in covering the middle of the field and, and, maybe turn one of our biggest weaknesses on the defense into an actual strength this upcoming season, kind of catch some teams off guard of, Hey, we got to attack somewhere else. And maybe instead of teams staying in their base package, they'll go to that three cornerback look because, Hey, maybe the Broncos don't go get that third cornerback and maybe struggle in that spot. So again, I mean, it's just, it's kind of one of those, you're trying to fix your different weaknesses. You're trying to look where you can add some talent and it really would not shock me to see them go safety. Because, like I said, I don't think they're sold on their on on some of their tight or the, some of their safeties, and I really don't think Darian Stewart is with the Broncos past this year. So they, they need Broncos like to take guys that they know maybe aren't starters year one, but can take over for another guy year two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you're looking for a guy that can, one reason that I will I'll keep hitting on it. Todd Davis, I think, was worth the money, especially in the language of the contract that I've heard and seen. It looks like it's something that, I mean, also when you're comparing it to what Anthony Hitchens and Demario Davis got, which was absolutely stupid. But Todd Davis, I don't think any player was as impacted by TJ Ward's falling off a cliff and leaving the team as Todd Davis because he was put in those situations more than he should be. His role should be that space eating, come downhill, play in the box, inside linebacker, which every team in a 3-4 needs to have. I mean, you take away Todd Davis, and you have a huge, huge issue in stopping the run up the middle because he's so good at coming down and filling up and eating up blockers and getting off blocks even. But he's not a three-down, all-purpose linebacker. That's just not who he is. And when you had a guy like Ward who can come in and be that dimebacker, as we like to call it, that took some of the pressure off. You know, he didn't have to be in those situations as much. Obviously, when you have a guy like Tom Brady out there and they can play base package and, you know, just flare that running back out, there's there's not much you can do about that unless you have a team full of first-round linebackers, which is just, that's not viable in a salary cap league. But you got to find that guy, I think, that's a dimebacker that can play in the box, be that third safety. And we kind of saw some from Will Parks. I just don't think he's, he's not great enough in that role. But if you can get a guy like Terrell Edmonds or Kaiser White, who I think played better in the box and can come down and play man, that's, that, is a, that is a chess piece that the team is desperately missing. There's a reason that they were so interested in obtaining Sue Cravens. They don't have anybody like that on this roster. So there's a couple in this class, and if you know Joe Woods sees a chess piece that he likes that can help neutralize an issue that's been an issue for the Broncos' defense for a long time in stopping those tight ends and the running backs, which, I mean, look at the Patriots, look at the Eagles, look at the Chiefs, that seems to be a way that teams are starting the trend, getting those guys in space and using mismatches. So you got to have some stoppers in that regard. And I think there's some in this class.
1: Well, one, one final question before we get out of here, we, we've talked a lot about a lot of names here, but looking at all the the players we've talked about, who are two players that you would absolutely pound the table for the Broncos to take in those second and third rounds?
0: I would love to get Isaiah Oliver in the second round because he, honestly, he doesn't even have to play super a lot year one, but he comes out and can be a boundary corner. He kind of reminds me of Dominic Rodgers-Camardi, very long, athletic, can stick with guys, but not the most physical in routes stems and uh, not the best run defender, but put him out there in sub packages. You can put Roby in the slot. You can put Harris in the slot. It gives you so many options, and I would love that. And then I guess the other guy I would love to get would be Fred Warner, very interesting player, and we talked about him, Agnazian, earlier, but I think he's a he's a good fit for the Broncos, and they've already got their hands on him in the, in the senior bowl. Very good list. I like it. I'll, I'll name two other guys. I I will,
1: I will go Josh sweat. The more I watch him, the more I just think, again, you stick him with Von Miller and let him coach this guy up. I think you could have a real star player and not have to get him in the first round. I just think he has such high upside with his athleticism and the other guy I'll, I'll pound the table for here. Oh man. I guess I'll go Nathan
0: Shepard. I was going to say, you got, we made a blood oath. Over the
1: <laughs> I know, I know. I, I got I to gotta go with that guy. Just because I really do think he is such a perfect fit for this system. And I, I just think the Broncos would love having him. I really do. I, I just can't see a guy when I'm looking at this list. I don't see a guy that's a better fit for the Broncos than him.
0: I can't disagree. And... I guess I'll throw one more out there. I, I really like what I see from Terrell Edmonds. I think he'll be the best linebacker in this class, not named Erwin James, personally. He's still very young. He's athletic, and I feel like because of his brother, he's a little bit overshadowed, but he's, he's a very intriguing talent overall. So, All right, well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Podcast. Building Broncos is what, what I think we're going to go with going forward. We'll, we'll check in back with that after the draft, but we're all full steam ahead on the draft until then. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl MHH. myself on Twitter at NickKendallMHH. Also make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers articles, not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Carl, what have you released recently or what are you working on that's coming out soon?
1: Well, I've got a lot of the uh, Finding Broncos articles that I'm working on right now and should have a bunch of those out here in the next couple days. So very excited to see how those continue to, to build up. Yeah, that, that's kind of my main thing right now because we're very draft focused on our, our website and wanting to get you guys as much information out there as possible. So look for for quite a few of those from Nick, myself, Eric, and Colby, of course.
0: Yep, that's awesome. And I have a Jared Veldier piece that should be coming out probably by Thursday. I know that it's uh, you know, it's already the trade's already happened. And I gotta say, just general thoughts on the Veldier piece that I'm working on. Offensive linemen who aren't absolute maulers in the run game are a little boring. But Boring's okay because that means that normally they're cleaning up in pass protections. So he's, he's a guy I'm excited about, and we talked about him early in the podcast, that Broncos finally have two tackles. I mean, they've probably maybe they're only average next year, but you know what? Average is a heck of a long way to come from which where the tackle position has been the past few seasons. So hopefully the quarterback position will help with that as well. But I'm excited about Valdez, and this piece is going to touch on it. Make sure you head on over to iTunes as well and leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Or if you don't think we deserve a five-star rating, Don't leave a comment. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But we we love your guys' support, and you leaving a comment and a rating helps us continue to bring you Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each week on team building, game planning, the draft, free agency, everything, 365 days a year. So head on over there, and make sure you leave us a rating because we, we really do appreciate that, and that helps us out a lot. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can also follow this account on Twitter at Maha huddle and at huddle up pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate, as I already said, and we love interacting with you guys. So please reach out. I mean, as far, as far as it comes to the draft, Carl is not as active on Twitter as I am because he has more of a life than I do. AKA not as much free time, AKA he has a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that kind of, that kind of does it, but please reach out to us on Twitter. We, we love it for Carl Dunbar. I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the huddle up draft podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. As always, go Broncos, go Draft, and go quarterback in the first pick. I went there. (laughs) Mile high huddle.